With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative. And is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. Messing with your boy, better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. Just a word of advice to start this off. Stop trying to fight Pac-Man Jones. In the words of the great LeVar Ball, Pac-Man has never lost. And, and when he beats you up, he knocks you out. He's knocking out bouncers. He's knocking out top flight security of the world at airports. He's been in multiple club and bar brawls. And he never has a scratch on him. But the other person is normally... Lights out. So just just stop fighting Pac-Man Jones. You can look at the latest video of him beating up somebody at the club. And it doesn't take much to set Pac-Man off. And normally he's in the right, to be honest with you. Also, remember he tried to take down like eight cops at the the casino after he was caught cheating? It it doesn't take much to set Pac-Man off. But, you know, just for your own health. Just, I just wouldn't I wouldn't fight him. That's just my personal opinion on it. I wouldn't do it. I'm just giving you some friendly. If you see Pac-Man Jones in the club or the bar or the casino, just say, hey, how you doing, Mr. Pac-Man? Enjoyed your time watching you in the NFL. Hope you have a nice evening. That That would be my suggestion to you because I don't want you to be the next video on TMZ. I'm just trying to help you out here. Heed my warnings. Uh, did you see Draymond Green last night? Draymond Green um, decided that he wanted to speak out. And the thing with Draymond, it could be a little hit or miss, but he always, always uh, speaks his mind. But he was just talking about the, the double standards. And there's, there's double standards in life. There's double standards in sports. There's, just, there's double standards pretty much in everything in society. But the double standard specifically he was speaking on was how if NBA players ask for trades, they're uh, seen as villains, uh, they're vilified in the media, they can be fined uh, by the team and the league. But when the owners decide they want to trade someone, they can shut them down for the season. Uh, They can talk about it publicly. They can say it's not working. He's right. I mean, he's right. It's true. Normally, if a player like James Harden starts to dog get a bid and ask for a trade, he's, he's shown as the villain. Now, if the Rockets would have came out at the beginning of the season and said, hey, uh, we're going to trade James Harden 
uh, we're not going to play him so he could go to as many strip clubs and Christmas parties as he liked to, yeah, it would have been fine. Nobody really wouldn't have said anything. You know, but it's kind of all of a PR situation. You know, but, you know, the NBA is starting to act a little bit like the NFL. Remember Mark Cuban was like, I'm not going to play the national anthem. Nobody even knew that he wasn't playing the national anthem. But then they had a game coming up on ESPN. When they had that game up on ESPN, and then all of a sudden it was like, everybody got to play the national anthem even though nobody really cares about it. Like, that's one of the stupid... That has always been, and I've always tried to explain this to people, one of the dumbest things ever, people being upset over the National Anthem. You know, I've been to hundreds of events where they play the National Anthem, and nobody cares. And let me say that, when I say nobody cares, I'm talking just that it's a very small, very, very small percentage of people who care. You know, if it's 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people in a stadium, yeah, you may have some vets in there that care. But in general, nobody cares. Nobody's really listening. If they're listening, what they're listening for is just how the person sings it. We know the whole United States of America is a fallacy. It's not true. I'm glad it's coming to light. There's nothing united about the states. There's nothing united about our country. Land of the free, home of the brave. We got, I mean, we literally... Had, a, had an anthem that said land of the free when the country has slaves. This is not the United States of America. Nobody cares about that. Nobody, I think what Dave Chappelle was like, yeah, they were upset Colin Kaepernick kneeled during the anthem, but the same people beat a cop to death with the American flag. You know what I'm saying? So we just need to stop pretending. We need to stop acting. Like we care about stuff that we don't. I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Think about all the the, the terrorist attacks that have happened in the on you know in the United States over the last four years. How many of those attacks have been from foreign people, and how many of those attacks have been from Americans? I can't remember a last attack that was from foreigners. I clearly remember multiple attacks on American soil. From Americans. I mean our own people stormed our capital. With Trump and Confederate flags. So yeah this is not the United States of America. There's nothing united uh, about it. So I, I thought that. That was you know interesting. You know. Uh, about the NBA. And, and we talk about this all, all the time. But I think it's very important to understand that symbolism doesn't matter. Symbols don't matter. Once again, I'm glad people are, are realizing this. Just because we say things, that doesn't make them true. Just because we say America, America is, you know, the 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 what all the other countries look up to, that's that's not true. That we're this great democracy, it's not true. You can put as much Black Lives Matter and in racism and it takes all of us symbolism out there it doesn't matter if the stuff's not true you understand what I'm saying so what's happening is you see brands and leagues and they have great symbols they have great commercials but it doesn't matter like ESPN 
you know, they love to trot out the Black History Month content. But then they also trot out Dana White. Dana White calls their own reporter, an ESPN reporter, while his pay-per-view is on ESPN. He calls his own, their own reporter a douche. And they scared to say his name in the statement. But, you know, Black Lives Matter. Let's, let's push out all this nice, colorful content. And don't get me wrong. It's good to see certain things get spotlighted during Black History Month with, with, you know, I don't believe in Black History Month. I'm pretty sure I've told, I don't believe in it. Like, I think these stories should be told throughout the year. And it's not lost on me that Black History Month is in February, the, the, the month that has the least days. Like it's a, it's a slap in the face, really. It's like, hey, in words, you want a month, we'll give you February. You know, that's only 28 days in that. Feel free to go celebrate. So it's it's all hypocritical. Double standards and hypocrites. You say one thing and you do another. You say one thing and you do another. But this is what, you know, happens. Every single day. Every single day. I was just, I just was, I was randomly reading the billboard charts. Don't ask me why. And I saw the person that was number one on the the top 200. And his name looked familiar, but I couldn't quite process it. And then I looked at, I looked up his name, I Googled it. And it was a guy, a country singer that was in trouble because he was calling people N-words doing a drunken rant. And you would think, you know, being racist would cause your sales to go down. But in this case, they went up. They went up. But I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. People need to really understand is that this country is about, you know, 50-50 good people and racist. Maybe even 60-40 racist and good people. Sometimes even the good people have racist tendencies. Yeah, I don't even know. I used to think the percentage was 75% good people, 25% racist. And then Trump came along and uh, we had to change those stats. If there's one good thing about Trump, I believe he's opened a lot of people's eyes. Maybe a lot of white people's eyes that didn't realize how racist this country was. Like, yeah, your people are racist. And it's sad because, you know, I have neighbors and stuff and I'll be just looking at them like, they seem nice, but do you really know them? Exactly. What in the blue hell? Did you see Lil Boosie talking about Lori Harvey and uh, Michael B. Jordan? Uh, Mr. Boosie said that he could never, ever, ever, ever put a ring on someone like uh, Lori Harvey. He would never marry her. Said she's just the type that you sleep with and move on. And you have to be a little bit of a cornball and a simp um, to kind of put all these gifts and everything on her. And that's what he essentially called Michael B. Jordan for spoiling his turtle. That's what he calls a turtle. Um, they went to the aquarium and there was turtles and there's stock and Hermes and all of this stuff. Before I get to Lil Boosie, uh, something important that you guys really need to understand it. It's, it's quite, and I want to talk about this more in a little bit, 
when I talk about Miss Britney Spears. But the celebrity worship of couples is it's it's that's stopped. You understand? You know, first off, uh, most of us aren't rich. You know, so the things that they do and the things that we do are unrealistic. Okay. Second off, uh, we have to understand that in relationships, you know, money and, and gifts and all of that stuff, that, that's nice and all. Uh, but at its core, that's not what makes uh, successful relationships. Uh, so you have to first take that into to consideration is that, that there's no such thing as relationship goals. Uh, there's no couple that should be considered relationship goals, especially celebrity couples. You know why? Because you don't know them. You don't know what's really happening. Because I want you to think about this really, really realistically, okay? Think about if you're in a relationship, okay? Think about what you show to the general public, right? And what's really going on in your relationship behind the scenes. Now, you should know that that's two different things, right? So what makes you think that celebrities are any different? You know, it's very, it's easy to show Instagram, Snapchat, the TikToks, the Twitter, but that, you don't know what's really happening. The only relationship goals you should have is what makes you happy, okay? Now, as far as little boosie, and as far as, you know, wife in and who you don't wife, that, I mean, that's, that's, once again, that's all in the eye of the beholder. There's a fly in here, right in the middle of my rant. And I got my fly swatter out. So if you just hear me swinging, that, that's why. Because it's really starting to... Normally, the flies haven't been in here because it's, you know... I'm not saying it's cold like if you're in Texas and all of that stuff. But, you know, normally if it gets in the, the, the 50s in California, the flies stay away. But today it's like 70, so... And I had left the back door open for Marcus. So I think they, the fly man got me. It's a big one, too. It's unfortunate I got to end this life. But as far as, you know, who you marry, who you don't marry, I think everybody has an idea of who they would like, you know, to marry. You have certain expectations of who you would want to be your wife and who you want to be your husband, right? Maybe Lori Harvey's not it. Maybe it is. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter. It's, you know, what matters is it's what you want. And what's very important here in this situation is that it should be based off of your wants. You know what you can live with, what you can't live with. You know what you like physically, what you don't like physically. You know what, you know, your love language is. You know all that, right? So, you got to come into that. So, I mean, Lil Boosie says, you know, he doesn't like, you know, women with high, you know, or I shouldn't, with, with, with certain body counts. You know, maybe celebrity body counts. I mean, that's Lil Boosie. I mean, Lil Boosie got like 30 kids by like 13 different women. So, you got to take this stuff with a grain of salt. I mean, is is Michael B. Jordan going over the top? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're celebrities. That's what they do. <laughs> I mean, celebrities have a, a certain way of putting their private life public, the best parts of it. And I guess they're in a honeymoon stage, and he has a lot of money. She's rich and good-looking. They're both good-looking people. I mean, this is what you expect. Now, does that mean they're going to be together for the next 100 years? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> You know, does that mean she move on? There's going to be another Michael B. Jordan, another, you know, just like there was a future and a Diddy and a Diddy son. I mean, that's, that's just how it goes. You don't know. Maybe he's the one. You never know. Maybe she, you know, Diddy and Diddy son and future weren't the ones and Michael B. Jordan is the one. It does, the point is, it doesn't matter. 
And you got to stop all of this hero worshiping of celebrities. Like, you know, obviously you see it a lot in sports and it's unhealthy. But I think it's even more unhealthy in actual celebrity relationships. And I'll tell you why. In sports, if you're obsessive over LeBron or you're obsessive over, you know, certain athletes and stuff, it, it normally does not carry over to your real life. Unfortunately, what you see on you know Instagram and what you see you know, on these social medias, a lot of times uh, it does affect the real life of, of people that you're dealing with. You know what I mean? And that's that's sad because that's just a recipe for a disaster. Now, did you guys see this uh, Britney Spears documentary? At first, I, I had no interest uh, in it. But then I saw Justin Timberlake was apologizing and, and people were talking and Janet Jackson got thrown into the mix. So I said, hey, let me see what's going on here. Let me see what's happening. I mean, I remember when, you know, Britney came out. And and Britney's was about 38. So I was probably, so when Britney came out, she was 16, 17. So I was probably my early 20s. When Britney came out, I was around at her age, late teens, early twenties, and and Britney was big, man. I mean, she she was big. I mean, she came out, and it was like, blah, and you know she had that kind of, you know, she's from what Mississippi? She's from one of them southern, those small southern cities. She had a little the country charm, and it had a. I, you know, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a little strange, you know, because, you know, like I said, she's 16, 17. They had a dressed up in a little Catholic school girl outfit with the crop tops and stuff. So, you know, it's obviously what they were trying to attract at that time. But, you know, you, you know what happened I mean, when you are 16 and 17 years old and you go from, you know, Mickey Mouse Club. I mean, it wasn't like she didn't have some success beforehand but you go from <clears throat> mickey mouse club high school with maybe a thousand people in it you know she said she's a high a little high school little little poon dunk town and then next thing you know you're doing 10 million singles you're doing concert tours at 17 18 years old i mean you you are you know girls all over the world are looking up to you guys you know, uh, looking at you, young guys, older guys, it's weird. And you just, that's just a lot. <clears throat> You're making all this money. You got all these people that are living off of you now. You are the, the provider for your mom, your dad, your sisters, your brother, the record label, all the friends, the hangers on, the management. I mean, that's a lot. And what people don't understand is this. In the 90s, in the, 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 the mid-90s, early 2000s, it's, it's different. Think Sometimes we, we don't think for a second. It's like, okay, we're in 2021. It's like, I remember 1994. You know? <laughs> it's like, but when you think about it, like, damn, that's you know, 25 years ago, 26 years ago. That's a long time. And a lot of stuff's changed. Like, like you know, Stuff that we take for granted now was not available. You know, like the internet was in its infancy. So you still, you want to know about, you know, gossip. You went to the National Enquirer at the grocery store. 
Us Weekly. You have to actually physically buy the magazines and stuff. Go to page six in the actual newspaper, not online. There wasn't social media. There was paparazzi. And so people craved it the same way that they crave stuff now. But they consumed it in a different way. Now, the thing about it is really 30 years from now or 30 years ago. And now there's really no difference. You still don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, the artists in and of themselves maybe have a little more avenues to tell their story. But you still really don't know. Like then if they want to tell a story, they'd go on Barbara Walters or Oprah or something. You know, now, you know, Megan Thee Stallion can tweet that this N-word shot me. And that's how they get their story out. So, you know, it's obviously, to me at least, watching the documentary, and, you know, I, I said on, on Twitter, like, you, you can't have a nuanced conversation about stuff like this on, on Twitter. Because, first off, I'll be honest with you, and, and I've talked about this before, I think it's extremely strange that grown men and women are outside protesting Britney Spears's, you know, personal conservatorship legal issues. I think that's odd. Like on the documentary they had these two grown women. They're like they were both in their forties. And their thing was they do a, a podcast just about in Britney Spears Instagram post. Like you don't find that strange and I get it. People say, oh, Raul, you have a website. You know, you're in these athletes and entertainers, you know, personal lives and stuff like that. Yeah, but there's one thing if it's a job. Like, if your job is to report on Britney Spears, right? That's that's cool, right? Like, I get it. You know, you're reporting on the, the celebrity of Britney Spears. You know, if you are taking off work to go protest in downtown L.A., Britney Spears, I mean, you doing a podcast just on her Instagram post? Like, the obsession for celebrity is strange. It's, it's, it's over the top. And I don't think that's, like I said, it's just a different era, but it's always been like that, be it the Beatles, be it Michael Jackson. I used to, you know, see Michael Jackson concerts and the people was crying. I look, I like music as much as anybody else but no song or no musician has ever made me cry like I never was like man that Tupac is great I'm busting out tears man that Jay Z song is amazing man I, I'm gonna cry at the concert like that's crying falling out and passing out that's always been strange to me you know like I used to you know you see, you go to these events and you see how people act around the athletes and stuff. It's always been odd to me, the hero worship. Um, you know, obviously her dad, Brittany's dad's a little off. Uh, Justin, you know, took advantage of the way the industry works for white men. You know, people wouldn't, if I was, you know, he apologized. I think he was trying to do the right thing, but he'd probably been better off just not saying nothing. And just hoping that something we people got onto something else the next week. 
But I, you know, watch, you know, she, you know, she had a mental break at some point, and I, I get it. Like I wouldn't want nobody controlling my money when I'm the one doing all the concerts and stuff. But she doesn't seem to be quite all the way there. It was just a, it was more of an interesting dynamic of how people deal with fame, the fans, the family, the actual entertainer. It was just strange, man. It's good just to be my old age talking, but it's just it's just weird. And like I said, I I'm not trying to trying to be too judgmental because, like I said, people that rob you. Why are you still writing about, you know, Lars or Pippin and stuff? You know, but to me, it's a, like, that's a difference. Like, if I'm a paparazzi, my job is to get pictures because I need to feed my family. That's That seems a little different to me than if I was just someone that was stalking out her house just to take pictures from my personal collection. You understand what I'm saying? You see the difference? Yeah, I think you do. I mean, I hope Brittany gets, you know... I mean, she was big. I mean, she still is big. Even while she was going through all of that, I mean, she was still knocking out uh, albums and doing Vegas and all of that stuff. It was just, she seems just a little unhappy. And that's why I always try to tell people, money solves a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. It is better to have money than to not to have money. Like right now, if I pay a bill, I can pay it. Like, that's a good thing. That's one less thing that you have to worry about in life. But doesn't necessarily make you happy. It just takes away one stressor. But that really has nothing to do with your overall happiness and mental health. So always keep that in mind. The Injustice League. So the LAPD was carding 4K, um, handing out Valentine's Day cards uh, that said, uh, you take my breath away. Had a picture of George Floyd um, on them. You're not surprised. I, I know you're not surprised. I don't even know what else there is to say about that. You know, I keep telling people, I think, as you can see, the conversation um, on social media about the police and social justice and all of this stuff has kind of calmed down a bit since they got Trump out of office. But there's nothing that's really changed. Um, yes, Biden has uh, switched back a couple of things on a higher level. But on the lower level, we're still dealing with the same problems we were dealing with, you know, before, you know, when Trump was in office. You know, we still are dealing with police brutality. We're still dealing with cops uh, that obviously are crooked, uh, that, that will shoot uh, black people in the back and get away with it. So nothing has really changed, uh, you know, with that. And, you know, the LAPD is just, you know, another example. I mean, the NWA told me about the LAPD uh, back in the day. I mean, it's no change from Rodney King. It's no change from the Watts riots. It's no change since the settlers came in. It's no different. Um, you know, I'm originally from St. Louis. There's a story about the, the St. Louis PD. Uh, they had sent in a black cop to go undercover. Uh, doing some protests. Once again, not surprising that they would do that. Uh, his own department didn't realize he was a cop and they beat his ass like he was an actual protester. 
And then I thought it was interesting because they had some text messages from the cops that implicated them themselves. And one of the text messages, you know, said, "Ah, oh, man, if, you know, if he was just a protester, we wouldn't have this issue right now because they got formally charged. He's right. If they were, if it was just a protester that they beat up, they probably wouldn't have that issue. But once again, not surprising. Uh, cops, DAs, judges. You saw the thing today. Uh, Amy Cooper, the one that uh, called the cops on the bird watcher. She, her charges were dropped because she took some racial sensitivity classes. You know, some things you don't need a class for. Right? Like, you know, they have stuff like anger management, right? Because maybe you get mad. And, you know, you got to have, you know, know how to cope with, you know, when you get angry, right? With that being said, anger management or not, you do know the difference between walking up to somebody, punching them straight up in their jaw and not, right? I really need a class, you know, for that. Like I said, maybe they can give you some coping mechanisms. They don't really need a class for that. Like, being a racist should not be, is not something that you should, as a grown person, it should be a class for. Like, you should just, that's a little common sense. It's very simplistic. It's not overly complicated. You don't need eight hours of training for it. It's not like working the cash register at Target. It's, it's, it's not difficult at all. But, like I, like I said on social media, watch these capital rioters, right? Watch what happens to them. Watch, because a lot of them are from these little backwoods, boondock towns with, with the judges are just like them the DAs are just like them so it's going to be a lot of probation it's going to be a lot of quote unquote community service some some sensitivity training except for the brother uh, that they arrested he's probably going to get 20 years but everybody else nah man you think you would think storming the Capitol, threatening to kill vice presidents and senators and all of that stuff would be really frowned upon in our country. But no. You'll see. They made a big production out of it and a big thing, but I doubt. You know, they'll probably have a, a couple of examples, you know, try to curtail people. They'll put maybe two or three people in jail for maybe a couple of years. But the majority of them would get a slap on the wrist and go back to their, you know, life of being racist. It, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like Trump in the, in the, the impeachments. What, you know, Trump is a criminal. I think we all can agree to that. But all I can see is that him and his kids just made a lot of money while being the president. Him and his people just made a ton of money. I saw something where he he raised like seventy five millions to uh, seventy five million to dispute the election, and then didn't spend any money on to do it. Like he didn't do, spend any money on you know an actual process of trying to dispute the election. You know where the seventy five million dollars went? In his pocket. He's a, he's a monorail uh, salesman. So that's what happened. And I was watching the movie uh, Judas and the Black Messiah about Fred Hampton. It's a very good movie. Should get some Oscar uh, nominations. I, I suggest that you watch it if you have HBO Plus. Uh, or was it? HBO, excuse me, HBO Max. Not HBO Plus. Everything's a plus, but they're HBO Max. 
Uh, you go to theaters, I guess, if theaters are open, you know, where you're at. If you, if you want to, you can go to, to the theaters. Uh, but go check it out. It'll make you angry if you're black. It should make you angry if you're white, but you never know. But I think the most interesting thing about this, you know, Fred Hampton was 21 years old when they assassinated him. And it was a state-sponsored, FBI-sponsored assassination at 21 years old because they thought that he was a threat. He's a 21-year-old kid, basically. Thought he was a threat, so they killed him. And at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, this is, you know, first and only state-sponsored, FBI-sponsored uh, assassination of a U.S. citizen on U.S. soil. And I get what they were trying to say, but that's not true. That's not, They just got better at it, better at covering it up. Go do some research on, on all of the activists and protesters from the, the Ferguson protests from Mike Brown. See how many of them have passed away under real mysterious circumstances. Yeah, it's still happening. They just got way better at it. Let me stick with this Judah and the Black Messiah movie for the last segment because I think it's apropos. Because the movie isn't really about Fred Hampton. It's about Bill O'Neill, the person that the FBI had infiltrate the Black Panther Party and who gave them the proper information and who drugged uh, Fred Hampton to allow the assassination to take place. And why do I bring this up? It's because of this. You know, black people um, have it difficult in life. You know, almost every other race of people um, were born into a country that was their own. Okay? Uh, you know, be it China, be it Russia, be it uh, Japan, uh, be it Eastern Europe, uh, Switzerland, whatever it may be. Those people were born into that country. You know, African Americans, if you want to call us African Americans, I just, you know, preferably just call us Americans because, you know, most of us have just been here. In an ideal world, you know, Black people would have been born in Africa. We would have had our own country and had the freedom of choice if we wanted to go to a different country. If we wanted to, you know, be immigrants. You know, we didn't have that choice. You know, we were made to come here and forced to live in a country that from the start was against us and tried to hold us down. We've never really been free. You know, the word free is interesting. You know, freedom. Just means you kind of can do what you want to do. You're free. There's no restrictions. And in society, for, for white people, they truly are free. And the way that they're free is this. 
is there's no preconceived notions, no over the type stereotypes. White person walks into a room, it's just a white person walking into a room. That's it. And then whatever opinion you have of them normally comes from how they are as individuals. You see this in this most simplistic situation, you know, the simplistic example I can give you is just a store, a high-end store. Hell, maybe not even high-end. White person walks in the store, raises no red flags at all. None. They could be a killer. They could be a robber. They could be a nice guy. They could be a bad guy. They could be a woman beater. They could be a rapist. They could be almost anything. But when they walk in those doors, they're just a person. No red flags at all. Black person going to walk into same store. And there's going to be suspicious eyes. There's going to be stereotyping. There's going to be concern. Red flags are going to flash. Just by walking in the store. And I know this. I worked at a department store. And I worked in the mall before. I know this factually. Can you, even if it's not a stereotype that you're going to steal or whatever. It's like, can he pay for this? I've seen this before. Now, I'm not saying it happens with every salesperson, every single store in the world, but it happens a lot. They look at you. It happens at car dealerships. All the time. They're sizing you up. You know, white guy comes into the car dealership and sweats and dirty tea, don't matter. They just assume you can handle it. Black person got to come in basically with a damn three-piece suit on. So, we already have it bad. And it's just, while things, there are definitely things that have gotten better, at its core, still the same problems. Which is what brings me, you know, back to the movie. And the issue of you're doing it to your own people. You're taking down your own people. White people have one thing maybe over us is that they they very they have a lot of solidarity toward each other. You know what I mean? Even if they're racist, they're they're, they're racist together. A lot of times we're all, even though we all we got. And we're all dealing with all of this. We're still the ones that that help our oppressor. So like when I talk about the story about the black cop pretending to be the protester. Yeah, he learned that, you know, he's still black. But what was he doing helping anyway? You know what I'm saying? And the greatest of us are the ones where they send in the most threats. But they know they can't come in. Like that, like white persons can't come in, so they get they get our own people, Malcolm, Martin, Fred Hampton. Even now, you really don't know who you can trust. You really don't know who you can trust, and it's sad because 
You do a lot for your people. And then you see your people turn on you. You see it on social media every day. Every single day. You know, I know a, a, a lot of where the, bar- the bodies are buried. With a lot of certain individuals. And some of those individuals haven't shown as much loyalty to me. <laughs> but you know, I got to stand on my square. You know, I, I could, there are things that I, I could have said, could have done. But why? You know what I'm saying? Why give the oppressor the satisfaction of taking another black man down, taking another black woman down? So you just, you just take the shots. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a nobody. So, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm not a revolutionary. <laughs> you know, I'm not getting... Thankfully, I'm not getting shot by the cops. The FBI is not looking for me. But I'm, you know, I try to do my part. I try to do my part. Talk about the systematic racism that's in media. I take on the big networks. That's one thing that some of these reporters who are, you know, pro, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of this stuff. One thing that they don't do. They work for companies that do some crazy things. But you won't hear them say anything about it. There's a lot of ESPN people that's putting a lot of Black Lives Matter content out there, but they be real careful about speaking about ESPN when they mess up. It's understandable, you know. Got a job to do. You know, you you got a family to feed, whatever. But that to me is sad. That's something that I would never do. People say, Rob, you're beefing online. I say, if you notice, the only people I really beefed with online were the people that I thought was being racist. They were normally white. Yeah, there's a lot of black journalists that I don't like. But I, I stood on my square. And I just bit my tongue. Bit my tongue when they threw me under the bus. Could have said a lot of things, could have done a lot of things. But you have to make a determination. Are you you Fred Hampton or are you Bill O'Neill? You know, are you looking out for yourself or are you really looking out for the people? It's just something to think about. Like, there's way too many Bill O'Neills in our ranks. You know, why would you want to take down Something that's trying to help you. you. You see, you see, you never see, you know, Barstool, stake what you want of them. They people stay strong with them. No matter what. We don't have that type of solidarity. Therefore, it's difficult for us to, to make real change. There's always people that's in them trenches and in them streets. And I recognize you and I appreciate you because you're not getting all of the attention that you deserve but there's also people that come in do a few interviews do a few marches you know get their attention get their tv time up get their followers up and they never hear about them again and leave those people in the trenches on the ground to fight for themselves against a racist and violent society against black people this is real stuff and 
it's sad, really. It's sad because we have the power. We do. I was talking to somebody and I said I was watching, I was watching the movie, and I was thinking to myself, yes, it's soft. Like these people were really putting their lives on the line. We're soft. We we put more attention into the gorilla glue girl than we do to the things that are happening, you know, to us. And I don't want to, you know, be a get off my lawn type of guy. You know, I don't hate. If you want to give gorilla glue girl twenty thousand dollars, that's your pride. It was your money. It's just, it seems like our attention is is easily swayed and it's short and we attack each other as much as we should not as much as we should be attacking the oppressor so do better you know you know that's all i can say is do better i appreciate you listening please follow me on twitter at bso Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, and YouTube, B-S-O-T-V. Big shout out to ABF Creative for having put this podcast together. I'm out.